Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Almost everyone immediately, when they see me with the kids, thinks that I have a wife. Consistently, where's your wife? Uh, oh, you're giving your wife a day off. Oh, your wife is so lucky to have a dad who's so engaged. Or they think I'm the nanny. The kids are unusually both of ours. They are, they are genetically tied to both my family and to Josh's family. So people are often really confused why they look like both of us. Hello, hello, and welcome to Some Families, the podcast for all your queer family stories, qualms, questions, and queer queries. I am Stu Oakley, proud gay dad of three, and I'm here virtually with my co-host, hello, Lottie Jeffs. Hello, Stu. Hello, listener. Yes, I'm Lottie Jeffs. I am a proud mum of one and welcome to some families if you're new then we're so happy to have you here thank you for joining us and if you're an old timer welcome back this week we're going to be kicking off the episode with a problem shared which is our part of the show where we look at a problem that one of our listeners is having because after all a problem shared is a problem halved i think yes correct well done (laughs) tick for you um so this week we came across this problem from a lesbian mum i'll read it to you lottie my wife took our son for his vaccinations today And while speaking to the nurse about feeding, my wife told her my wife is breastfeeding, referring to me. The nurse then proceeded to refer to my wife as dad for the rest of the appointment, which she just shrugged off as super odd. I just had the appointment notes come through on the app and the nurse talks about how the dad attended the appointment today. Dad was briefed about the vaccinations and dad gave consent, etc, etc. My wife was a little blindsided and didn't correct her. She's never been misgendered before and felt a bit flustered and embarrassed by it. What would you do? Would you write a complaint? It's just sitting uncomfortable with me. And on a side note, we both have a smear test appointment with the same nurse at the end of the month. Oh, my word. So, Lottie... Poor people. I don't know where to even start with this one. I think if you've listened to the first season of Some Family early on, the same thing happened to me when my wife and I went to weigh our baby. The health visitor kept referring to me as dad. 
And I was like wearing hoop earrings and lipstick at the time. So obviously, maybe it was the same woman. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) I think you, uh, my advice is you absolutely have to say something and you Mm -hmm. have to call them out on it and you can't just shrug it off because I think if we keep shrugging these things off, then nobody learns and nobody changes. I feel like you need to write a letter of complaint. You need to address this woman when you go to your smear test it just you know sometimes it's like people are not bad people and Mm. if you just say to them in a good-natured way look last time we met you referred to my wife as dad and I'm in a lesbian couple and she's a woman and she identifies as as a mother as well just sort of lean into the awkwardness a bit is my advice and and correct her what do you think Stu? well again it's really hard I think a lot of times people do come from a good place and who knows this nurse may have been feeling like afterwards she might have been like oh my god I don't know if I said the right like well clearly she knew she didn't say the right thing actually I'm going to change my mind on this send a complaint because it's just absurd what what she said like it is absurd and I think it's important to put it out there and I think like you say you can't just shrug these things off and you need to say something especially if you're going to have a continued relationship with this practice and with this nurse it needs to be dealt with there needs to be training right like Mm. why aren't healthcare visitors and midwives and GPs everybody should have some sort of training about the fact that LGBTQ parents exist here's the language to use Mm. here's like what to say and what to not say you know simple stuff I mean I'm I understand we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's not necessarily anyone's priority right right Mm. now. But I do think it's so important because for we know, maybe there was some sort of like system on her computer that didn't allow, there wasn't like a drop down option for partner. The only option when she's filling in her forms is to put dad as the other partner it could be something i do find that hard to believe though and especially if it's down on her notes and she's actually writing it Mm. throughout it is hard though because Stu, you and i are quite sassy and confident i would say and we're we're both quite like we almost quite relish an opportunity to school somebody (laughs) don't we we're not you know i like to roll up my sleeves and go exactly we're confident and assertive people and that Mm. doesn't necessarily come naturally to to everyone but that's maybe why writing a letter is a good idea because yeah, because you feel you can articulate yourself you in a letter. You can think about and, it, you know, get yeah. a friend to read it. Send it to us, we'll have a read. Yes, we are happy to look at it. We're happy to add in our own sassiness to it if you want as well. Yeah. <laughs> but essentially, I'm just really sorry that that happened to you, listener. Yeah. That really sucks. It really does. And if you've had a problem that you would like to share, then email Stu and I at somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk. But now... Back to the episode at hand as we are about to head down under. Ooh. Ooh, (laughs) Do you like the way that I paused (laughs) for your inevitable reaction to that? What do you mean, fanar fanar? So, yes, Stu and I are up way past our bedtime this evening. It's 10 o'clock here in the UK because we're going to talk to somebody who lives in Sydney, Australia. And I won't do my Australian accent. I've done my Finnish accent on a previous episode. We're talking to someone who isn't even Australian, but he lives in Australia. He is the hilarious Sean Setz. So Sean is an American living in Sydney 
comedian, writer, podcaster and dad. And as I said, he's based in Sydney and he is a dad to twins. If you haven't already, then do take a look at some of his hysterical parent guide videos, including some which include things not to say to queer parents on his Instagram. So do check them out for a bit of a giggle. Yes, Sean also has his own podcast called The Dad Kit, where he talks to other dads and unpacks some of the cultural ideas society still has around fatherhood. So welcome, Sean, a fellow podcaster extraordinaire. Uh, We're so happy to have you on Some Families. Thank you. Me too. So we wanted to kick off and ask you just to give us a little overview of your family. I am married to a lovely man named Josh. We have two beautiful twin toddlers. My daughter is three and a half. Her name is Stella. And obviously my son is also three and a half. And his name is Cooper. Sweet twins. Oh my God. Amazing and exhausting, I imagine. I was going to say, yeah. Equal parts amazing and exhausting. That's exactly Uh right. (laughs) They are gorgeous, by the way. I've seen them on some of your videos and they are just the cutest. Um, They're so sweet. And they know it too. Do they have the sass? Oh, yeah. They inherited that from me 150%. Like, they are little models and, for better or for worse, are comfortable in front of the camera. (laughs) So is my daughter. Whenever I try and take a video of my daughter now, she goes, Mama, turn it round so I can see. Of course, of course. <laughs> what kind of generation are we bringing up here? It's going to, you know, the effects of this, of like having cameras on our kids all the time, I think, mm. remain to be seen. I'm like just praying and hoping that there's this like revolution amongst young people in 10 years where they're like, we don't need a phone. We're old school. We write using pens. Oh, wouldn't that be great? So in the meantime, could you just talk us through an average day in the SEPs household? Sure. My husband and I split the responsibilities truly down the line. We, other than the initial six months in the very beginning, when I was a full-time stay-at-home parent, we've really truly not fallen into a primary caregiver versus a secondary caregiver role. So the average day varies in who takes a majority of the responsibility. So usually every other day we let the other person sleep in and the other parent does the morning routine. And that would mean getting some brekkie, which is almost always Vegemite on toast, which is so Australian and (laughs) makes me as an American want to projectile vomit. But Oh, I hate it. It's disgusting. And then three days a week they go to daycare. And then the other two days, we toggle back and forth between my husband and I taking a day off or them going to their grandparents. If it's a weekend, we are an outdoor family. We were not an outdoor family prior to the pandemic, but when we wanted to find exercise and needed to get out of the house before killing each other, we, you know, started to discover local beaches and local trails. And so most of our time is, is spent outdoors. The kids really do come alive. And then we're a very crafty family. So I was raised by a crafty mother and a crafty father. And so we try to do a lot of projects, a lot of painting, a lot of like hands activities that are dirty and disgusting. And yeah, wind down the day. Usually we end, we always have a meal as a family. We always play a card game, some type of memory card game or animal card game before we go to bed, shower, wind down, husband does the books 
I'm in charge of shower and bedtime, and we are in bed watching Netflix by 9 p.m. Sounds like you've really got it sorted. And I want to move in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming down under. I'll go and quarantine in a hotel and everything, and I'll come and stay. Yes. Done. So you have your own podcast, which we love, the Dad Kit. Congratulations on it because it's it's a really good listen, and Thank I love you. that it's uh, it is it's and it's and it's so needed. Um, and obviously, it's all about breaking down what it means to be a dad. What was it in particular that made you passionate to to launch this podcast? Well, I've worked in the media landscape ever since becoming a parent, and it was very evident instantaneously that there weren't a lot of men that were willing to talk about parenting. And the reason that it was so clear is I was pitching stories, pitching podcasts, getting contacted, and it I was never hearing no. It was this constant, oh, that's so exciting, a father. Yes, absolutely. We'd love to share your perspective. And as I started to do more and more interviews off the back of, of my first couple of shows, I just realized like I would be foolish to not run with this. I also felt that the narrative was off. There was this outdated, archaic, stereotypical, painted photo of what it meant to be a man and also what it meant to be a woman in many ways. Like we were still very much leaning into those outdated ideas of a man lacking empathy and a man working full time and a woman not working full-time and a woman, her role really being in the home with the children. And as that narrative has shifted with really powerful, strong female voices, I was like, I just know in this country, in Australia, but also in America and the UK, that this is not an accurate articulation of what modern families are doing and living and breathing. I know enough men who took a year off. I know enough men who are the primary caregivers. I know enough men who are at drop-off and at swim practice and have empathy. And I just wanted to hopefully start a new conversation about what that modern truth is. The Dad Kit's hosted, obviously, by yourself as a gay dad, but it's not a podcast about gay parenting do you think you being a gay dad is helping heterosexual fathers out there heterosexual dads who need to get a bit more in touch with their their queer side Mm, that's so interesting I've never really thought about it um that way but I would be lying if I didn't feel that I have an unbelievable gift I love being gay I think it is like the greatest (laughs) gift that I was ever given and it's because I can bridge this gap I can speak to women about their experience and relate in such a, and they can relate to me in such an aggressive manner. And yet I am able to dip in and out of conversations with straight men and ensure that they feel heard and that their experience is valid. The thing that gets brought up most frequently in my DMs is women saying, I'm so shocked that I relate to you. And so I think straight men are shocked that they can relate to me because I'm, you know, more flamboyant or more feminine and women are shocked that they can relate to me because I'm a man who didn't carry my children. And yet it's a nice middle ground. I really do feel that I understand both sides of the coin and I'm passionate about representing both sides. And naturally, if you can show people that it's okay to be 
childlike, that it's okay to be the dominant parent, that it's okay to be empathetic and emotional, that it's okay to be honest about the parenting experience, whether it's positive or negative, then yeah, hopefully you can change their perspective and go, oh, wait a second, he's doing it and he's doing a really good job. I could probably do that too. Your queer eye for the straight dad. Yes. Oh, okay. Netflix show. That down. Done. I was going to say, I'll reach out to Netflix now. <laughs> You've had some brilliant guests on your show, but has anybody really sort of got under your skin and made you think about your own self as a father or really challenged you or surprised you in some way? Oh, yes. I mean, absolutely. Every single conversation was nerve-wracking and scary and exciting and challenging, but there's two that really stick with me. The first is Mark Fennell. He is a podcaster extraordinaire. He has an endless list of very successful podcasts, one that is at the top of the charts now globally called, I think it's called Things the British Stole. (laughs) But he said something that stuck with me, and I couldn't get it out of my head, and I haven't gotten it out of my head. And if he's not clever and trademark this and turns it into a book, I'm going to steal it from him. But basically (laughs) what he says is the success of parenting is to find the happy medium between the things you love and the things your kids love. It's a very simple concept, but most of parenting is parents doing things because they have to. Like, I'm going to the playground even though I hate it. I'm going to play group even though I hate it. I'm going to this center, I'm buying these toys, I'm playing this stupid game even though they don't love it. But parents who can quickly identify that overlap. So Sean Zepps loves collecting shells. It's a huge passion of mine. It's a hobby of mine. My children like the beach. That's an example of I can take them to the beach four times a week. I get to collect shells and I'm happy. I'm more happy than I would normally be at a playground and the kids benefit. So what Mark said is the faster you can identify those things, whether it be a sport or a cooking activity or even a television show that you, that you as an adult actually enjoy watching, you are going to be a better parent and therefore the experience will be better. And I just feel like I had totally missed out on even thinking about parenting that way. I basically Mm -hmm. had decided my life is over. I'm giving up everything to make the kids happy. And that's actually not true. It doesn't need to be true at all. That's such great advice. I've actually had exactly that moment recently with my two and a half year old where we've both realized that neither of us really love the playground. And we actually really like cafes. So my daughter just loves a baby Chino and a croissant in a cafe. And she will sit in a high chair in a cafe, just like people watching, chatting to me, like sipping her little baby Chino. And I'm like, girl you are my daughter this is it this is like we are so happy and it was always like this funny moment where we were both just like playgrounds are a bit boring aren't they let's go to the cafe (laughs) fabulous so I think that's wonderful advice that is the big point that is like the key differentiating factor between parents that are successful and parents that are not which is your children feed off of your emotions. They know when you're anxious. They know when you're sad. They definitely know when you're angry. And if you're bored, if you're consistently on your phone, your children feed off on that. Mm. The moment you're energized, inspired, activated, happy in any way, shape, or form and can genuinely enjoy the experiences you're having with them, the psychological impact 
is massive. And if it's your job to raise your hand and say, you know what, I hate the playground. I can't do it anymore. I don't wanna take you because I'm always in a bad mood. Your children, yes, they're not gonna get to go to the playground, but they are going to have a happier existence because you're happier as a parent. <laughs> so true. And what about your, your husband? Is his parenting style similar to yours or do you have very different approaches? Josh and I have a really similar approach. We communicate a lot about the decisions that we're making. The one thing I'm really proud of is that we decided earlier on that you don't have to agree about everything. I think there's this misconception amongst parents because you're not supposed to fight in front of your kids that you're not allowed to disagree in front of your kids. And Josh and I decided really earlier on that children really will benefit from understanding the reality of the real world is that people don't always agree, that there are actually different ways to parent. There are different ways to eat. There are different ways to put your clothes on. And the earlier that they could understand that, the better off they would be. Because both of us were raised by parents of the 70s and 80s who, at that time, the philosophy was unified force. So every single thing my mom said, my dad just nodded his head, you know? And, and that was the philosophy. That's what so many parents did. The problem is, when you become an adult and you realize that that one philosophy wasn't the, the truth... It's like finding out that Santa Claus isn't real. You're like, wait a second, there are other ways to do things. And so Josh and I have just, I'm tougher. He's definitely the nicer guy. I'm the bad cop. He's the good cop. I am much more rule, structure-based, uh, authoritarian parenting style. He's much more relaxed. And we have just owned that difference. And when the kids say, well, data said I couldn't do X, Y, Z, Josh is really strong and so am I at saying, and that's okay, that's daddy's way of parenting, my way is different. And guess what? There's going to be even other people who have different approaches like your nana or your abuela. And I've been really proud of that because what it's done is it's made it possible for me to trust my gut in every moment and not be worried that I'm screwing my children up because that gut reaction is different than my husband's. And how do you think if asked, your children would describe you both. Yeah, that's interesting. I think they would say we were both really funny. We're just like childlike individuals. And so we're really silly and very playful and constantly playing characters. And I'm wearing wigs and putting on silly makeup. And so most of the existence that they have had in their life has just been filled with humor and laughter and song and dance. So I think they'd probably just say like silly. But if you ask them in the next couple of years, because I don't know that they'd have an answer now, but if you said like, who's the tough parent? I don't think they would pause for a single millisecond. They'd be like me, data, <laughs> 100%. Sean, <laughs> he is the tough one. Uh, and daddy is the teddy bear. Do they watch your videos? And they obviously see you filming them. But... Yeah, absolutely. They're usually in the room. They know it's a character. I always kind of enroll them in that process. So they're able to see me put the wig on and the makeup. They understand that dad is playing a character and that it's just silly. Most of the time, I'm not able to use the footage because my children and my husband are laughing in the background. Like they're really drawn to the ones where I'm dressed up like a woman versus the one where I'm dressed up like a man. Do you think that there's going to be a point when they get to be like awkward teenagers where they're like, oh, dad, I can't believe you're doing this video. It's so embarrassing. I mean, 100%, of course. <laughs> I think I've chosen to very much live my life in the, in the public eye. My husband was raised in the public eye because his dad is a well-known Australian actor. And so you definitely make decisions about like, well, how much of your life do you show? And 
we have a, a kind of a set rule of the things we would never show. I think what's important for the world to understand, because I get these questions a lot, is that is an accurate representation of who I am. I am incredibly flamboyant, always funny, always trying to put on a gag, always you know, trying to get the joke and the little shtick. So it's not like my children are going to be like, Dad, I can't believe you did that online. Like every single person who's ever met me would be like, yeah, that's Sean. And so my, my kids are just growing up realizing that that is who I am. They will absolutely be embarrassed, but there will be another time later in life when they realize that I was insanely authentic all the time. And I, I'm really hopeful that that's the lesson they end up taking away is like, dad was really confident and proud in being who he was. And he, you know, wore clothes that are a little feminine and he dressed up and did silly things, but that's him. That's beautiful. I love that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sean, let's go back a little bit. We haven't talked about how you came to have the twins. So when a man loves a woman, <laughs> I could, <laughs> a stork flew in and dropped them off. No, um, we are in a very unique situation, a rare situation and a beautiful situation, which is that a family member of mine offered to donate her eggs Quite early on in the journey, we were looking at adoption agencies. I didn't know about surrogacy at all. I'd only thought adoption was the option. I had read an article in the New York Times about, a, I think, a mother who had donated her eggs and carried a child for her gay son. And that was the first time I realized that that was an option. But I didn't understand that there was agencies who could help you make it possible. So after this family member decided to donate eggs, it made it really clear that that was the option we were going to pursue if possible and at all costs. And let me tell you, it's a very large cost, but we went down that route. So we um, found a surrogacy agency, were paired with a surrogate right away. This family member went through the IVF process, donated eggs. We got 
a beautiful, lucky cycle. We got 14 eggs. All of those eggs were transferred into embryos. All of the embryos survived except for one of all of those embryos. We put two in because throughout the surrogacy journey, you are told it's such an expensive process that you should put two in in hopes that you just get one. But we knew we wanted to have two kids, and so it made sense to us. And then we had twins the first the first time, and are truly, truly, truly blessed that the process just kind of went very smoothly along the way. The kids are unusually both of ours. They are they are genetically tied to both my family and to Josh's family. So people are often really confused why they look like both of us. Uh, and have you? How do you talk to the kids about that, or have you have you talked to them about it? And will you? Yes, we will. Um, we have. We've actually always addressed it as if they were adults who could comprehend it. So they mm -hmm. understand that they don't have a mother. They understand that there's two incredibly special women, both of which we refer to as aunts, who made that process possible. They obviously don't understand all the nuances, but our surrogate who is a beloved member of our family, as is her husband and her three children, the children do understand that she carried them, that they were in her belly and that she gave it to us as a gift. But our hope is that we don't have to do a lot for the children to understand they're different. Like they're not showing up to daycare looking around for all the other you know, gay dads. They understand that because of every children's book and television show that most people have a mom and a dad. But from a very young age, they have just, you know, because they're, they, we talk about it so frequently, they have understood and they've been able to articulate, we don't have a mommy, we have two daddies. And thank God we're living in the time we live in because there are enough examples around us in Sydney and when we were living in Los Angeles that they, they do know other lesbian mothers, they do know other gay fathers, and they, all of their best friends have moms and dads. So that they have enough of the diversity, and we will continue to talk about it. My hope is they want solid relationships with both of those women. I am more than happy for that to happen. What's it like in Australia as a gay family, in, in Sydney in particular? Do you feel like there's a real community there? Do you miss the States? Yeah, that's such a good question and a little hard for me to answer. My experience of being a gay person, let alone a gay parent in Australia, has been a, a little like a roller coaster. I feel a little more like an anomaly here than I did. And I spent 10 years in New York City and in Los Angeles, and those cities are gay, 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 gay. And so I always just felt so normal in those cities, like never once looked at when holding my husband's hand, right? When you're in those cities, no one's like, oh, a gay person, because it's like the entertainment meccas of the world. Whereas in Sydney, I found two things. One, people are insanely nice. So if they ever made a mistake or said the wrong thing, they were always apologetic and always very kind. But almost everyone immediately, when they see me with the kids, thinks that I have a wife. Consistently, where's your wife? Uh, oh, you're giving your wife a day off. Oh, your wife is so lucky to have a dad who's so engaged. Or they think I'm the nanny. Oftentimes they'll be like, how long have you been watching these kids? <laughs> so there's enough of those moments that happen on a frequent basis that I feel it's quite evident and obvious that there just aren't a lot of people like me. There aren't a lot of gay fathers. How do you deal with it when it comes up? I wish that I was a better advocate daily. 
it's still a struggle. I think my internalized homophobia from a young age sometimes comes to light because there are days when I'm ready to fight and, and fight for the rights of gay people and, and I'm unabashedly open and no, I don't have a wife, I have a husband. Or, you know, sometimes I'll make jokes and I am the wife. And, and usually it's when my kids are around and I feel like it's really important to show them that I'm not ashamed. But I'll be honest with you, Sometimes I'm in an Uber and it's an old white man, you know, and he's like, where's your wife? And I just pretend to be straight or brush the conversation off or don't want to get into it because I'm tired or having a bad day. Mm-hmm. You know, to be gay in definitely in the public eye, but even if you're not, it does require a little bit of activism, like proactive activism, just to be a human, just to like go to the bathroom or go in an Uber or, you know, people ask questions and they either misgender you or put you in a different sexual orientation box. And it does require a lot of energy and I don't always have it. And that comes with its own, you know, issues, but at least Mm. when I'm around my children, I'm never afraid or ashamed to, to admit that yeah, that they don't have a mother. Yeah, that's so nice to hear. I think it's something that so many of people listening and Stu and I certainly, I know um, from conversations that we've had, we can relate to that and just like the emotional labour sometimes of being a gay parent and just being like, do you know what? I just can't right now. Like that sense of shame when you didn't do it. Um, Absolutely. And so just to talk briefly about mental health as a as a parent and how you kind of stay okay, particularly in these unprecedented challenging times if you have any advice or or things that you do that make you feel better you know this is something I've struggled with my entire life I uh, was diagnosed with anxiety at a really young age and have been both in therapy and medicated and proud to talk about both of those things for a very 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 long time this will be my 20th year in therapy like no joke a lifetime almost of work on how to cope with the anxiety. And a lot of that is how to cope with the anxiety of being different. And a lot of that is how to cope with the anxiety of being ashamed of who you are. I was raised quite religious and so it it comes with its own baggage. And so as an adult, you know, even though I've done all that work, it absolutely still comes up. What has worked for me other than surrounding myself with people who love me ensuring that I live in a place that I can feel safe, actively choosing to live in in big cities and surrounding myself with people who look and smell and talk and act like me or at least are allies of that. But the big thing for me is is been ensuring, if you you can't see yourself in media, then you're not going to know, one, that it's an option, but two, that what you're experiencing is real and justified. And so I really do try to create a community online and in in my real life with people like you guys that I can talk to, that I can say, this is my unique experience of being outed three times today because someone, you know, just asked a normal question. Have you had that experience too? It absolutely makes me feel better to know that I'm not alone. Um, And it absolutely helps with my anxiety to surround myself 
uh, and fill my feed with other gay and lesbian parents um, and parents that represent different, unique, modern makeups. Just think it's really important to see that diversity and hear those stories so you're not feeling so isolated and alone. It's so important. It's so important to feel part of a community. And I think that's one of the huge benefits of social media, as you say, to be able to connect with people worldwide and 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 make people feel and make people know that they're not alone in the world either that there is somebody like themselves out there we have a feature on the show called show and tell where we ask someone to bring something to the class that highlights just something that lgbtq plus parents might be interested in or something that you love or want to endorse um, on our show and so we were wondering what you have brought to share in the class today I brought two things, and it is actually a really beautiful segue from the mini monologue that I just waxed poetic about, which is, if you can't see yourself represented in media, then you're not going to know that it is an option and that it's more than okay. And I have always struggled a little bit with it gets better as a sentence, but I have always believed that you get better and that they get better that people grow and evolve and change with time and that we're all capable of getting better. And so there are two accounts in particular that have moved me to be more authentic and more, yeah, more authentically myself. Scott Stewart is a a, a straight father, cis gendered male and relationship with his young boy who chose at a young age to wanting to wear dresses and his parents specifically his father Scott just embraced it completely you probably have seen a video of a dad dressed up in an Elsa dress with his young son it went viral on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook it just like blew up during the pandemic and I think it's really important that parents straight gay anything on the spectrum, have an opportunity to see a parent who is actively choosing to embrace his son's differences and uniquenesses um, and to not put too much pressure on labeling it anything, but instead just you want to wear dresses, you can wear a dress. And if you feel uncomfortable wearing it, I'm going to wear one with you too. And so that account is important. It's an important account. He's written two children's books about that experience. My Shadow is Pink, and then he's just released one I think it's called How to Be a Man. And both just do a really wonderful job of articulating a new modern approach to parenting and a new modern approach to what it means to be like a straight man. Before you move on to your second one, Sean, can I just say as well that if anybody hasn't listened yet to the Dad Kit episode with Scott Stewart, then do so because it was a wonderful episode. It was really, I found it really, really beautiful and inspiring. And you're right, he's an incredible, I think what you said within the podcast, he's an incredible person for doing something that should be just seen as being so normal and what we should be doing thank you for sharing that one what was your Um, second one sean your point is the perfect segue which is i also think the fact that he's straight can't be ignored it's one thing to hear me as a gay parent say that you should accept your children because i think people just passively go well yeah of course you feel that way because you're different and i and people get why i feel that way but they don't initially get why a straight man would feel that way and the fact that this guy was raised as an athlete 
in a butch environment and yet is still proactively and now has become an activist for our community, really, for young boys who just want to express themselves in a different way. It, it just like, you, you can't ignore that. That is what is so powerful about him and his account and his page and what he's doing and I think why I'm so drawn to him. That's also why my second recommendation might come as a shock, but as a nice segue, which is this person is not a parent. Style by Denny is the name of their Instagram account. They are a non-binary gay person living in this world. And over the course of the last year, they have turned their page into a beautiful space to highlight LGBTQI plus experiences and stories and conversations in a really powerful and authentic manner. I think the fact that they don't believe in gendered clothing rules, they express themselves however they feel in those days, some days in a masculine manner, other days in feminine. And through my time befriending them and getting quite close with them, have realized the power of my children seeing people who look and talk and act like them unabashedly. And so as much as I would love to label like an endless list of parents as recommendations, because it's such a big part of, of how you can educate other parents to the ways that they can approach parenting, I really think it's important to show your children and introduce them to drag queens, to non-binary individuals, to transgender individuals, and oftentimes you don't have access to those people in your small town or even around you, but that's what's so beautiful about social media is you can take those videos and you can flip it around and show your kids and say, let's have a conversation about this. Like, Do you understand why that boy doesn't refer to himself as a boy or why they are wearing a dress? And I just think there's something so powerful about anyone living authentically as themselves, but as a form of education for children, we can't ignore that pages like Style by Denny's can be used as educational material that they might not get anywhere else. Thank you. Of course. So just before we let you go, Sean, we wanted to give you, if you do not mind, a little quick fire round um, that we've put together. So really quick, speedy answers. You're on okay. the buzzer. Okay. 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 <laughs> so ready? Naughty. Okay, yes, so this I'm is ready. our quick fire round with Sean Sepps. So, lion or night out? Uh, lion. Frozen or Little Mermaid? Frozen. No, I lied. Little Mermaid, Little Mermaid. I'm sorry. <laughs> naughty step or time out? Um, time out. Vegemite or Nutella? Nutella. <laughs> Potty training or maths homework? Potty training. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, I hate maths. <laughs> I hate potty training. Um, <laughs> karaoke or dance party? Oh, that's not fair. That is not fair. Karaoke? I'm going to go with karaoke, but that's hard, and I feel like I should end the interview now. I'm so mad about that question. <laughs> and finally, Gaga or Kylie? <gasps> Gaga. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you going to be booted out of Australia for that one? I guess, but honestly, like, just... What a way I didn't to go. Up. I wasn't enrolled <laughs> in that camp, so I'm Gaga to death. 
<laughs> thank you so much, Sean, and thank you, listener, for being with us for this episode. So if you like that episode, then please go and have a listen to the rest of the series if you haven't had a chance yet, wherever you get your podcast. And please don't forget to give us a rating, give us a thumbs up and tell us what you think about our wonderful little queer series, Some Families. Yeah, and please share us with anyone else you know that might be going through um, any stage of the parenting journey or just even thinking about it. Or send it to your partner in like a really passive aggressive way if you... Um, want a baby and you haven't quite started the conversation with your partner yet you could just like whatsapp them a link to a podcast with like a question mark and a cheeky face emoji and an aubergine and an aubergine <laughs> yeah or uh, what the lesbian equivalent of an aubergine is who knows what is, what is the lesbian equivalent of on uh, an emoji maybe a flower or something uh, let us know anyway please let us know on our email address somefamilies at storyhunter.co.uk slide on into our dms or find us on twitter at somefamiliespod if you've got all that time on your hands and you want to check out even more then we also have a website which is www.somefamiliespod.com and you can also find full transcripts um, of our past episodes there as well Thanks for listening and we hope you enjoyed it. Bye. Thanks everyone. This episode was produced and edited by Hattie Moyer. Some Families is a Story Hunter production. I always use the shell. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, please leave that in at the end. (laughs) Our producer says, isn't it the shell? Is it a shell? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.